we, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another or from one party to another, but we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Well, greetings, friends and fellow citizens, and happy Easter to all of you, uh, as strange an Easter as, uh, as it will be. Uh, we are certainly you know, trying to adjust to the fact that normally we would have you know, at least 20 people at our house for Easter dinner, and uh, that's not going to happen this year. And um, I know that's throwing a lot of you off and making you feel uncomfortable and um, you know we're going to talk about why you're uncomfortable and why we have a right to be uncomfortable and and what you know what we need to do about this going forward so you know i, I appreciate you tuning in uh on uh if you're calling listening on the radio here on saturday morning uh, the day before easter welcome to all of you who are listening to our five state uh, radio network in ohio if you're watching the podcast from anywhere uh in the united states in ohio around the world uh we sure appreciate you joining us that way as well you can watch the podcast anytime you want 24 7 365 it's usually posted by around noon on friday afternoons and then it's up all week long and you can uh, go to we the people convention.org which is our website and uh and you can see that you can get the podcast on youtube on itunes on roku tv on amazon fire tv wherever you want um, this show is, uh, this radio program and this podcast is sponsored by uh, the donors to the We The People Convention. Uh, I am the president of the We The People Convention. My name again is Tom Zawistowski, and I am the host uh, for this show. And um, this is a news summary show. This is a show where we talk about what's important to you and I, what, you know, what's impacting our, our freedom, our liberty, and our prosperity uh, in, in the world today so that we can live our lives as free and as, and as well and as happy as we possibly can. And uh, these are not happy times. I, I think last week, if you listen to the show or you watch the podcast, you saw that it was uh, probably one of the darker shows I've ever done. I always, I always want to be a, a ray of hope for those of you who listen. And I'm going to be a ray of hope today. You know, we're, we're not going to just lay down and take it. We're going to stand up and fight for our freedom and our liberty and our prosperity. But uh, we are sure... We're sure in that fight today. We are sure in that fight today. Though there are there are signs of of, of hope as we look forward here, because uh, as we've predicted all along, uh, the models the models that the experts you know have given us are proving to be not only wrong but horrendously wrong. And um, so I'm going to start the show today by playing a clip from Tucker Carlson from his. Uh, from his show, I think it was on uh, Thursday night or, or Wednesday night, but he kind of sums it up. So let me play that clip for you now. Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation at the University of Washington, the group that has created the most influential model of the pandemic. As recently as yesterday, you heard some authorities cite those numbers effectively in public. Hundreds of thousands will die. Well, that estimate has changed dramatically. This morning, the IHME issued brand new numbers. Its researchers now project 60,000 deaths in this country by August 4th. 
That's one quarter of the original projection. Numbers for individual states have changed as well. In Virginia, for example, which is currently suffering under a lockdown until June, the model now predicts a total of 891 deaths statewide. Just a week ago, the IHME projected 3,073 deaths in Virginia. That's more than three times what they're now saying. At this point, we should not be surprised that the model got it wrong. The IHME's prediction of how many hospital beds we'd need turned out to be completely disconnected from reality. And that matters quite a bit, it turns out, because those numbers were the main justification for this lockdown. Remember our efforts to flatten the curve? They weren't crazy. There was a good reason for doing that. We didn't want our healthcare system to collapse under a flood of new coronavirus patients. And so far, it has not collapsed, but not because we prepared effectively. We didn't really. There were just far fewer people who needed inpatient medical treatment than we thought there would be. For example, the model predicted that on April 4th, New York would need 65,000 hospital beds. The actual number was 16,000. Now, you're hearing people now say that the spread between the prediction and the reality must be due to social distancing. But that is not true. Social distancing measures were factored into the model from the beginning. The prediction turned out to be four times larger than what actually happened. Social distancing didn't do that. Something else skewed the numbers. We don't know what it is. We should find out. Yet in the last several weeks, in order to protect ourselves from the Wuhan coronavirus, which is dangerous and scary, we have thrown an estimated 17 million people out of work. We've spent more than $2 trillion in borrowed money. And that's just the response so far. Now, we're not going to tell you that what our leaders have done in the last month is disproportionate. You can decide that for yourself. But it's definitely something to think about going forward because, again, reality matters, even if it embarrasses us to admit it. So there you have it. You know, the, the experts were off by many factors. Uh, they, you know, the social distancing and lockdowns and all that, we do have, have no idea whether they worked or not. Okay, so anyone who's trying to claim credit that, you know, it's a good thing we did what we did because it made it less, you know, dangerous, that's not true. Okay, and, and uh, I, uh, I posted on our website at WeThePeopleConvention.org a story this week that says, has Sweden found the right solution to the coronavirus? And, and in that story, it talked about how all the experts and all the other country leaders are so terrified because Switzerland, excuse me, Sweden uh, is not doing all the things that we're doing, okay? They are not shutting down all businesses, shutting down all uh, schools, pre-K-12 schools. They're not doing a lot of things. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that to make a comparison because the question I want to answer for you today, which I think is a fundamental question we must all have answers to, and boy, you know, here's the bottom line. We have not had answers. That, that's really the problem with this. There's been a lot of fear-mongering. There's been a lot of numbers thrown around that have been all wrong, but there's been very little information. And, and we're going to get some information today because we're going to talk about how many li lives have we saved, right? Because it's all about saving line, lives, right? How many lives have we saved and how much does it cost and who pays for that? Say, now, I talked to you about Sweden 
And I said that they did not do all the things that we did in Ohio. So on the screen, if you're watching the podcast, I put up a chart. And, and this chart was uh, in an email that went out on Thursday of this week that has that same uh, you know title. How many lives are we saving and at what cost? And on this chart, for those of you on the radio, I just want to explain that Ohio has a population of about 11.6 million. And Sweden has a population of about 10.1 million. So we're pretty similar in size we have both have you know big cities Stockholm's a million people uh, you know we've got they've both got rural areas and things of that nature but the difference between Ohio and Sweden so that we can come up with a comparison is that Sweden did the social distancing the crowd restrictions they are allowed in groups of 50 we're down I think two in Ohio they closed colleges but they did not close their preschools. They did not close their restaurants and bars. They did not close non-essential businesses. They did not issue a stay-at-home order, and they did not offer uh, uh, put in place travel restrictions, even from foreign countries, okay? Now, so that's the difference. And so here they are, you know, they aren't doing all those things. We are in Ohio, so how's it played out so far? Well, in Sweden, they have 8,522 people who've been diagnosed with the coronavirus, and we have 4,782. And this is as of Thursday, um, the, the 8th. Okay. Now, uh, that's a difference of 3,740 more people in Sweden have been diagnosed with the disease. That makes some sense. So then you look at the deaths. The deaths in Sweden have been 662, and the deaths in Ohio have been 193. That's a difference of 465 people. I think you can then say that the efforts of 11 million Ohioans that we have made for the last month has probably saved the lives of at least 465 people. That's not a bad thing, is it? That's a good thing, right? But the question is, is it worth the cost? And, and more importantly, what is the cost? So... I did a story, you know, that, that basically said, you know, certainly no one wants to see anyone die unnecessarily. However, there is a significant evidence that many, perhaps 80% of the lives that were quote unquote saved may die in the next year or two anyway, because the Wuhan coronavirus is most dangerous to people with pre-existing conditions and who are quite elderly and thus a huge uh, proportion of deaths from nursing homes. Okay. So we're not, you know, we're not sure how many lives have actually saved. It could be 465, it could be 800, it could be 200. But, you know, the bottom line is we saved some lives. So what did that cost? Well, as I said, in Ohio, which they didn't do in Sweden, we shut down all of our non-essential, quote-unquote, non-essential businesses, including restaurants and bars and things like that. So to figure out what it cost to save these lives, you could use a formula that says, all right, the gross domestic product, the total value of all business in Ohio in a year is about $700 billion. It is projected that the businesses that are closed in Ohio are at least 50% of the businesses. It's at least 50%. So that means that half of the GDP of Ohio is now been shut down. And so that would be $350 billion over the year. Now, they, these businesses haven't been shut down for a year. They've only been shut down for a month. But in that month, the businesses that we shut down lost $29 billion 
$29 billion taken from small business owners by force of government, okay? Then that doesn't even count the fact that about 21% of, Amer- of uh, Ohio's 5,800,000 workers, 20 to 30% have lost their jobs that we know of, right, that we know of. And those people have lost $6 billion, $6.5 billion in money they would have got in wages. So we have $29 billion from the businesses that they lost as far as income, and then $6.5 billion from wages. That means, folks, that it's costing $35 billion for just one month to fight this coronavirus fight. Well, well what does that mean? Well, let me put it to you this way. It means that for every single person, if we save 465 people in Ohio last month, it cost $71 million per person. $71 million per person. And while every life is precious, right? We hear that all the time. And if we save just one life, it's worth it, right? But is it worth $71 million of your money? Or perhaps it's okay if someone else foots the bill and you can just pretend, you know, to be virtuous without costing you a dime, right? Right? Isn't that what a lot of people are doing? So let me be clear about something that no one's talking about. This cost of saving lives in Ohio and the rest of the country has not been shared equally. It's not shared among everyone. While the majority of Ohio citizens were forced to comply with the government rules, all state local and federal government employees are under full pay. It didn't cost them anything. All teachers and education staff are getting full pay. It didn't cost them anything. If you're on Social Security, if you're on a pension and Social Security, your money's monthly money's guaranteed. It didn't cost you a dime, right? So maybe that's why you guys think it's okay to shut down everything, right? Because maybe you didn't have any skin in the game. And that's why you've heard me talk so passionately in previous shows about business and how wrong this is that we've done. The entire cost of this madness has been put unfairly on Ohio's working class and their private sector business owners. Nobody's explained that to you, have they? I don't even think DeWine or any of the governors, I don't even think President Trump have even bothered to do these calculations. And if you think if you think it's it's you know fine oh yeah any any number is right seventy one million dollars a life well then why don't we save all hundred twenty thousand people who die in Ohio each year right all hundred twenty thousand people that people who commit suicide if we gave them seventy one million dollars maybe they wouldn't commit suicide right the people who die from alcoholism yeah. Or opioid abuse. Maybe if we gave them $71 million, they wouldn't die from that, right? Yeah. Because, right, you know, it, it, the cost is insignificant, right? Yeah, but if we spent $71 million for all 120,000 people who die in Ohio every year from whatever causes, yeah, that would cost us about $9.7 trillion when we have a total earnings power in Ohio of $700 billion. Do you understand how nuts this is? Do you understand how wrong this is? 
It should frighten you, and we should be ashamed. We should be ashamed. I hope there are class action lawsuits against the government, against mayors, by these businesses who have been wronged. This is an embarrassment. You should all be embarrassed that we use the force of government to steal $29 billion from 200,000 Ohio business owners with no justification, as Tucker Carlson just pointed out in his video, just because we were lied to and we were panicked. And so we've got some work to do. But I wanted you to know that all of you staying in lockdown has saved 495 lives in Ohio. Tell me if you think that was worth it. Tell me if you think it's worth all the, the you know, the, like I said, deaths from suicide, the deaths from drug abuse, all that kind of stuff. So there's also concerns about civil unrest. And, and Laura Ingram interviewed uh, AG Bill Barr, and he had some things to say about that because he's worried about it. Time the concern when you hear Dr. Fauci say, well, we probably can't go back to normal life until a vaccine, which would be like 12 months, 18 months, that if things don't open up pretty soon over some gradual reopening with new protocols, all that, there's a concern about social unrest. You're seeing a lot of stores boarded up in San Francisco, Chicago, Detroit, St. Louis. And you're seeing more of that. Uh, small businesses uh, affected especially by uh, theft and, and other uh, criminal activity. How concerned are you about the social and uh, unrest and criminal activity in an ongoing shutdown? I mean, I think if we extend uh, a full shutdown, uh, that's a real that's a real threat in in some of our communities. But I don't think it's limited to that. I think the president's absolutely right. We cannot keep for a long period of time our economy shut down. Just on the public health thing, you know, it means less cancer. Cancer researchers are at home. A lot of the disease researchers who will save lives in the future, that's being held in abeyance. The money that goes into these institutions, whether from philanthropic sources or government sources, is going to be reduced. We will have a weaker health care system if we go into a deep depression. So just measured in lives, uh, the cure cannot be worse than the disease. But when you think of everything else, generations of families who have built up businesses for generations in this country, put, and, and recent immigrants who have, who have built up businesses, snuffed out, small businesses that may not be able to come back if this goes on too long. So we have to find, after the 30-day period, we have to find a way of allowing businesses to adapt to the situation and figure out how they can best get started. Okay. Governor Wine took your business, took your job, took your life, took your liberty, literally based on a guesstimate, literally based on his uh, you know, health director believing phony data, and they still won't wake up. They still won't wake up. Uh, you know, after you know, Tucker Carlson just showed you, they have reduced all of the predictions. We we were remember two weeks ago, we were talking two million dead. Then it was down to a hundred to two hundred thousand. Then it was like down to eighty three. Today it's at sixty. But Governor Dewine will not accept this, despite the fact that that 
you know, the, the data now is coming in. See, now we're actually dealing with some facts. There are now enough. You know, we've done over, I don't know, it's like 2 million tests, you know, in the United States. We are now getting data that's real. And it's that's why these models are being adjusted. And Mike DeWine refuses to believe them. And this is frightening. He sent out a tweet earlier this week that says, I don't think this is our peak week. I think our peak will be further out. But we are what we are doing today is contributing to controlling the surge. Don't give up. Our ability to control the storm is in our hands. Okay? He keeps talking about May. There is no data showing the peak is going to be in May. Zero data. And, and so I had to write a, 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 an email to uh, Governor DeWine because he just won't admit that he doesn't know he's talking about. And so I had sent out an email. If you don't get our emails, go to wethepeopleconvention.org, right on the front page, put in your email address, your zip code, you'll start getting emails. I had put out this email and said that, you know, we're going to prove that uh, that Dr. Acton and Mike DeWine don't know what they're talking about. So first, they said that the, the peak would be on May 15th, all the models show that Ohio peaked this week before Easter. Okay, we uh, they Ohio has fourteen thousand two hundred ninety hospital beds. Okay, and as of this week, we were only using one thousand and twelve of them, right? And they kept saying you're going to you know overflow the hospitals. Ohio has one thousand two hundred thirty eight ICU beds, and we were only using two hundred and sixty two of them. Only two hundred thirty three patients will need uh, ventilators in Ohio when Dr. Acting is talking about thousands of them. And while she you know, breathlessly claims our hospitals will be overrun, where, there was a video out this week of people going to Ohio hospitals and they're empty. There's nobody there, literally. And this is happening all over the country. He just doesn't get it. And so while she was predicting you know, 10,000 cases a day, New York, on its worst day, only had 4,000, and they only had a couple days like that. And yet, he won't wake up because he's just crazed with power. And it's going to be up to you and I, the citizens, to stop believing the the fear-mongering, quit watching his stupid TV show, and wake up and understand this is a flu, like a bunch of other flus. And we can get over it. And what we need to do is create herd immunity and not be locked up in our houses, but get outside in the air. And DeWine's not doing that. He's doubling and tripling down. Well, as A.G. Barr said, if we don't, if we don't do this quick, if we aren't going by May 1st, if we aren't going back to work, he's worried about social unrest. I have a message for Governor DeWine. If President Trump says it's okay to go back to work and you try to tell us that it's not, you're going to see at least civil disobedience and maybe a lot more. Maybe a lot more. Because what you're doing is wrong on every level. You have no concept of what you've done to hurt people. And we're going to talk about that a little more. But I'm going to just close this segment by talking about the story I put out this week about the governor of South Dakota, who is not doing any of this stuff. No lockdowns, no social distancing, nothing. Her name is Governor Noam. And she's getting all kinds of pressure to to shut down, and she won't do it. 
And she said, South Dakota is not New York City, said Governor Christy Norm Noem, uh, said in a Wednesday press conference during uh, which she restated a belief she's made known through almost all of her daily press conferences. South Dakota can get through this pandemic without taking serious actions that ma- the majority of other states have taken. The calls to apply for a one-size-fit-all approach to this problem is hard, is herd mentality, Noam said during the press conference. It's not leadership. Wednesday marked Noam's strongest expression of this notion. She discussed the constitution of both the country and the state, saying they prevent draconian measures like the Chinese government has done, and I would say as we've done in Ohio, and actions we've seen in European governments that take, aim, uh, take the rights of citizens away. Our Constitution ensures that citizens' rights are protected. I agree with the role of our government as set forth in our state and national constitutions. People are primarily responsible for their own safety, she said. In that vein, while Noam has urged the importance of social distancing and hygiene, she also made it clear that she asked South Dakotans to follow these guidelines, telling them the people themselves are primarily responsible for their safety. They are the ones that are entrusted with expansive freedoms. They are free to exercise their rights to work, to worship, and to play, or even to stay at home or to conduct social distancing. She said our sense of personal responsibility, our resiliency, and our already sparse population density put us in a great position, she said, to manage the spread of this virus without the need to resort to some of the measures that we've seen in some of these major cities, uh, major coastal cities in other countries. And she basically said... Stop. What South Dakotans should do, she said, is stay the course, adjust as needed, and stop watching the national news. It is important not to turn on the news and look at New York City and think that's what Lemon South Dakota is going to face in a month. It's absolutely not true. That's leadership. That's the kind of governor our founders gave us, not Mike DeWine, not these other Republicans who are tyrants who have taken our rights, who are imposing their will on the people without even talking to their legislators or anyone. Governor Nome is the example, and Mike DeWine is the embarrassment. We're going to take a break, and then we're going to come back. You're listening to the We the People Convention News and Opinion radio show and podcast, and my name is Tom Zawistowski. As Merrick, president of Liberty Camp for Kids in Portage County, Ohio. Liberty Camp for Kids is where students in grades 1 through 6 experience the founding of our nation. This year's camp will be held from July 20th through the 24th from 9 till noon. The cost is $30 per camper. If you're interested in our camp, being a volunteer, or even starting one of your own, go to www.LibertyCampForKids.com. Buckeye Firearms Association is Ohio's number one gun rights organization, protecting the rights of Ohio's 4 million gun owners. And you can get our weekly gun rights newsletter free. Receive breaking news and urgent alerts on gun laws. Stay up to date on self-defense and shooting sports. Discover pro-gun activities and events near you. Get your free gun rights newsletter now at bfanews.org. That's bfanews.org. bfanews.org. All right, and we're back. We're glad to have you with us on this week's show. Uh, if you're turning on the radio or you know watching the podcast 24-7 at wethepeopleconvention.org, we welcome you. Uh, we're glad you're with us. Um, 
I, you know, I talked about the cost of, you know, these, of saving lives, right? And we found out it's $71 million per life, okay? And it's $35 billion cost, not just to all of you, but to just some people in our, in our uh, state, okay? But now I want to talk to you about the fact that it's not just money, Okay, everybody says, oh, you know, you can't put a dollar figure on a life. Well, I just did, and if you don't like it, grow up, okay? But what I did do is I put out a story, and I sent out a press release to try to impress upon Governor DeWine that he's being totally irresponsible, and I actually suggested that uh, Dr. Acton, our health director, was practicing medical malpractice. And, and the reason that is is that it's not just lives and dollars. It's lives and lives. And even uh, A.G. Bars mentioned in the clip I played that it is, it is without any doubt, it's indisputable evidence by the largest study like ever conducted of like 40 million people in 15 countries that if you lay people off, if you take their job away, if you take a person's business away, suicides go up, alcohol abuse goes up, Drug abuse goes up. And so I sent out a, a, a press release saying DeWine and Acton must release Ohio death stats for regular flu, suicides, opioid deaths, and alcohol deaths. And I said, it's just immoral not to do that. And, and, it, and quite frankly, it was immoral for Governor DeWine to not even put that into the calculation. So again, I said, when he decided to just close businesses, we said, how many businesses did you close? He had no idea. How many people did you lay off? He had no idea. But now you're Dr. Acton, okay? Put, think about this. So I'm sick, and Dr. Acton, you know, in her lab coat, is going to be my doctor, God forbid. And she says, I'm going to give you this treatment to cure you of this disease. But then she doesn't even consider the side effects or the fact that I've had heart trouble, for instance, okay? And, and that the treatment she's given me for the disease she's supposedly saving me from is going to end up killing me. Wouldn't that be called malpractice in a court of law? If a doctor did that, if they gave me a drug that no, had knowing side effects that would affect me in a way that might kill me, would that not be malpractice? Well, how is that any different than what we're doing in Ohio today? How's that any different? You're saying we've got to save these coronavirus lives, but we're going to lock you all up in your house. We're going to take away your job. We're going to take away your business. We're going to, we're going to socially isolate you and cause depression. And people die from that, and they don't even consider it. It's not lives versus dollars folks it's lives versus dollars and lives and more lives and i guarantee you now we don't have the data because governor dewine won't put that out right so we are filing a FOIA request to get the ohio department of health to give us that data because i'll promise you that in the month of march more people died from drug abuse suicide alcoholism than died from the coronavirus and I'll bet you all three of those categories each had more people die. We're killing people both economically, socially, and physically. It's, and it's horrible. And so then, so then what, what do we do now? You know, Governor DeWine decides to 
they're going to create a committee, a commission, all right? I've got it right here. I've got the list of the commission people right here, okay, that he sent out that he's going to appoint an advisory board that's got people from, uh, you know, the Cleveland Clinic, uh, the Cleveland Indians, uh, Cincinnati Financial Corporation, uh, the Federal Reserve Bank of Cleveland, Schmucker's Company, Procter & Gamble out of Cincinnati, right? So let me get this straight. You, the government, and the governor, illegally, with no data, with no information, you decided to shut down my business and cost me, cost us collectively $35 billion. You hurt us, $35 billion. And now you're not going to let me open up. When, the, when this fake emergency is over, you're going to have an advisory board that says, Oh, oh, no, no, your restaurant can't open right away. Um, we need these people to open up first, and we need to put these new regulations on you, and we need to put more blocks in your way so we can make it harder for you to start up. Is that what we're doing? We need an, You need to get an advisory council to tell me when I can go back to business? No, I don't think so. I think I know how to open my business. I got the key to the door. I got the phone numbers of my suppliers, right? Get out of my way, you tyrant. Get out of my way and get out of my life. How dare you? How dare you put together an advisor? And President Trump's doing the same stupid thing. I heard Scott Walker on the radio uh, this week talking about, we're going to you know, put together a commission because you, you just can't turn it back on. Yeah, yeah, you can. They have no respect for the American people or the American worker or the American business owner. They think they're better than us, but they just proved they're dumber than us. The arrogance, how dare they? And so now we're all, we're afraid of what? We're afraid of the civil liberties that these people have taken from us, not coming back to us. I spent a lot of time on the phone this week talking to lawyers, talking to Judicial Watch, talking to the ACLJ, talking to lawyers in Ohio, and saying, are you kidding me? An unelected bureaucrat who's our health director with a, just a swipe of her pen can take away all of our constitutional rights and we can't do anything about it? That's frightening, folks. Here's what AG Bill Barr had to say about that. Right now we have no freedom of worship public worship to go to gather. We have no real freedom of assembly, not even freedom of movement, given what some of the states are doing. What can you tell our viewers tonight about what the Justice Department will do after this limited period to ensure that our civil liberties are balanced properly against the need to protect the public? Well, um you know, generally speaking, there are there are occasions where liberties have to be uh, restricted during certain emergencies, such as war, uh, or in this case, a potentially devastating uh, pandemic. 
but they have to be balanced. Whatever steps you take have to be balanced against the civil liberties of the American people, and it cannot be used as an excuse for broad deprivations of liberty. Uh, so, uh, as things proceed, uh, you know, we're going to be interested in both what the federal government is imposing uh, and also uh, making sure that that's justified, but also what the states do. The states have very broad, as you know, what we call police powers. They have very broad powers uh, that the federal government doesn't have to regulate the lives of their citizens as long as they don't violate the Constitution. Uh, so, we'll be keeping a careful, a careful. So there you have it. Bill Barr says that uh, they're going to be keeping a look on it at it because states have broad abilities, but they can't just make it up. They can't take your rights away for nothing, right? Which is what they've in fact done, but they can't continue to do this. And AG Bill Barr says they're going to look at this. And they've actually interceded in some places where religious freedoms were, were specifically you know, singled out. We can't do that. And the gun rights people have been winning some of these things, okay? But, but, it, but the problem is that the legislature has not stepped in and been our representatives. The, the legislature in Ohio is not even coming back until May 5th. That's embarrassing. That's just grotesque. They should be embarrassed. If you see your state rep or your senator, just tell them you're embarrassed for them because they stood by just take a Ohio House District. They stood by while the governor of the state, with no data, with just panic and fear, put at least hundreds of thousands of people in every House member's district out of work and closed down tens of thousands of businesses in their district. They stood by and didn't even ask a question. It's grotesque. It's embarrassing. And so... What do we have? The Thursday jobs report came out. Yeah, 6.6 million more workers filed for unemployment. That's now takes us up to, I think, close to 20 million in the, in the country. And that's just the people who filed for unemployment, folks, because people are having trouble. The websites for all these, uh, you know, these uh, bureaus of unemployment have crashed. People are standing in lines. You can see in that picture on the podcast, I've got a picture. He was standing in line to try to file for unemployment, right? Our society is collapsing. Our economy is collapsing through our own negligence. And it's time for President Trump to wake up and get back to, to work because He's got the, the thing that is most dangerous to you and me and everyone in our society is uncertainty, uncertainty. We've got to pick the date, May 1st, and say, we're going back to work and whatever the virus brings, we will use all the forces we have to defeat it, but we will not surrender to it by giving up our freedom, our liberty, and our economy and our jobs. Because you listen to the show so that we can all defend our freedom, our liberty, and our prosperity. All of them are under attack. We need to have to call the White House and say we want to go back to work on May 1st and call Governor DeWine and tell him to wake up and read the details. Look at the finally at the data and stop this madness and quit micromanaging our lives because we don't need a fool like you managing our lives. 
That's it for the show this week. If you're listening on the radio, it is. If you're watching the podcast, it'll go on for at least another like half an hour. We invite all of you on the radio to go to wethepeopleconvention.org to join the rest of the podcast. We've got some good stories that will be continuing. We want you to please tell people about this show because it's important that we get this information out there. Try to bring us more listeners. And as we move forward, we'll be taking action to help bring back our liberties. We will not sit back and be prisoners and have people tell us we can't leave our homes. We're going to fight back. That time is coming sooner than you think. Thanks for tuning in this week. We'll be back again next week. You're listening to the We the People Convention News and Opinion radio show and podcast, and I'm Tom Zawistowski. The We the People Convention News and Opinion radio program is paid for by donors like you. You can donate to the We the People Convention and support our cause by going to wethepeopleconvention.org or by sending your check in any amount to We the People Convention, P.O. Box 6211, Akron, Ohio, 44312. The Buckeye Institute was founded in 1989 and we're the longest serving free market think tank in the state of Ohio. My goal is removing barriers to prosperity that have been put in place by government. We want for Ohio to be the freest and most prosperous state in the country. The Buckeye Institute is a source of common sense ideas that will have an impact on the nation as well as the state of Ohio. Okay, we're back. We appreciate you uh, being with us on the podcast. Those of you on the radio network who came and joined us, welcome all of you. Everybody else, thanks for sticking with us. Let's get into it. Uh, some of the other news that's important. It's not all coronavirus. You know, one of the things that happened was uh, Bernie, Bernie Sanders dropped out, right? And President Trump was taunting him and saying he didn't really drop out because he kept all of his delegates. But, but here's the bottom line, folks. Bernie Sanders is a fraud. Bernie Sanders is like every commie. He's like every communist. Communism's great for you, but it ain't great for him. Bernie Sanders has made himself into a multimillionaire by basically scaring the Democrats into buying him off. All those people that we had, the Project Veritas videos that I've shared with you on our previous shows and things, who said, you know, Bernie's the man, he's going to lead us to the, you know, the utopia, the communist utopia, the socialist utopia. Yeah, he doesn't believe any of that nonsense. He's fat and happy. And this guy, quite frankly, is too lazy to be president of the United States. The guy's never had an honest job in his life. Folks, literally. The guy has never had an honest job in his life. Go read his biography. He's, he's been a, a, just a, a sloucher his entire life. And so this is a big scam. And I hope all the young people will wake up and realize that they've been played. Because I guarantee you, Bernie's getting money for stepping aside and clearing the way for crazy Joe. Okay, sleepy Joe Biden. Now, and again, you know, the whole question of sleepy Joe Folks, it's impossible for him to be president. And so someone called me to do a radio interview today, and they were saying, well, you know, it's going to be Kamala Harris is going to be Biden's vice president. And, you know, what do you think about that? Well, here's what I think about that. This whole thing is going to be decided by May 1st. Because if Donald Trump does what I think he'll do and hope he'll do and what I hope you will push him to do, which is 
get us back to work and get our country going again and put all this these experts and these medical experts in the closet or in the corner where they belong, where they can play with their models, but don't fool with our lives, right? If Donald Trump does that and we start coming back, there's nobody in the Democratic Party that can beat Donald Trump, period. Joe Biden is going to be a sacrificial lamb. And picking Camilla Harris is, is absolutely hilarious to me because Camilla Harris couldn't draw flies among the Democratic Party to her campaign, and you think she's going to draw people from the Midwest? You think she's going to broaden Bernie's uh, or uh, Joe Biden's you know uh, likability? She's a total commie from California, and she's a phony and a liar. Okay, she doesn't bring anything. So this is the sacrificial lambs. Now, what they're hoping is Nancy Pelosi's hoping that we can keep us from going back to work. They're going to give you all the bailouts. Man, they'll pay you whatever it takes for you to stay home. Because what is that? That's socialism, right? Staying home and getting paid more than you're working? You get paid when you're working? Yeah, that's a socialist utopia. Except as Margaret Margaret Thatcher said many years ago, socialism is great until you run out of other people's money, right? And I guess we could carry that off and say saving lives from coronavirus is great until you run out of other people's money that you stole from business owners and middle-class workers, right? So here's the bottom line. This, it, forget about Bernie Sanders. Forget about you know, Joe Biden, their convention. Forget about Cuomo coming into the fight. This is a foregone conclusion. It's, it's, a, it's a binary choice. Here's a choice. Either the Democrats succeed in destroying our nation by convincing Trump and other people to go along with keeping us shut down and spending money we don't have to bankrupt us and put us in a depression, or Donald Trump wins, okay? Or Donald Trump wins. Now, Donald Trump got himself into a little bit of a problem, and he, and he actually made me very angry, and I, I hope he would make you very angry, because he was all upset because the governor of Wisconsin, the governor of Wisconsin, their primary is supposed to be this week. And the governor of Wisconsin, who's a Democrat, tried to pull the same stunt that Mike DeWine pulled on us. And he even said that he was consulting with Mike DeWine on how to cancel the election the day before. Yeah, way to go, Mike DeWine. Your badge of honor. Yeah, but if if, if I had the time, I wanted to get the, the Trump video from his press conference where he went nuts on the Wisconsin governor. He called him every name he could by, by saying that he shouldn't stop in-person voting, even with the coronavirus. And the Supreme Court ruled that they, he, the governor couldn't stop the election. Yeah. How did the Supreme Court rule in Ohio? Yeah. The Supreme Court let our governor illegally, by his own admission, Stop our election. And so what did Trump do? He went berserk about mail-in voting, absentee voting. Donald Trump said absentee voting is only a way to cheat, that people sit in a room and they fill out all these ballots that are absentee and they send them in. Yeah, Governor DeWine, what are we doing in Ohio on April 28th? We have no in-person voting. We've got mail-in ballots. That's all we've got. And the turnout's going to be horrific, Governor DeWine. You took our right to vote away. Illegally. 
And Donald Trump is calling the guy in Wisconsin all kinds of names, but he didn't call Governor DeWine a name, but I'll call Governor DeWine a name. Despicable. That's the name I'll call Governor DeWine. Your actions are despicable. Want to do a follow-up on a, you know, something that's very important, and that is I asked you last week to save our local businesses. If you do eventually get your bailout check and you are a state employee, a, a local, state, or federal employee, if you are a, uh, uh, you know, a senior citizen on Social Security, if you have a pension, okay, and you can donate that money to a local business, please do that. What I want to say to you business owners who listen to the show, and I know a lot of you do because you've been writing to me and you've been thanking me for being the only person speaking for you, and I think I spoke pretty loud and clear today, didn't I, about what has been done to you and how wrong that is, okay? But um, I, I want you to know that I did go through myself for our company. I did go through the Small Business Administration program, the Paycheck Protection Program. And as you know, you were finding out, I'm sure, it was a mess, right? Uh, the first day, it was supposed to be available last Friday. On Saturday, it took me all day. The thing blew up multiple times, but I did get through it. I know that some people are still trying to get through it. I also applied for the SBA Disaster Relief Fund for one of our companies, and that went a little smoother. But now they're totally backed up, and I'm not sure how this is going to play out. The bottom line is you got to fight for your life. You got to fight for your company. You got to fight for your family. You got to fight for your employees. You got to fight for your customers. The money's going to be there. Uh, I know the Senate just talked about appropriating another $250 billion, and Nancy Pelosi blew that up. But, you know, stay the course. Use whatever resources you can to stay alive, and we'll get through this thing, and we'll wake up from this, you know, insanity at some point, and hopefully you, the working people of America, and the private sector small business owners will do what we've always done. We will clean up the mess that's been made by the ruling class and the elites and the people in government who never understand the ramifications of what they do. We the people, we will put our country back together that they've destroyed. Mark my words. We're going to take another break, and we'll be back in a minute. You're listening to the We the People Convention, uh, news and opinion radio show and podcast, and I am Tom Zawistowski. This is Jordan Sekulow with the American Center for Law and Justice. At the ACLJ, we are committed to fighting the deep state and protecting freedom, the right to life, religious liberty, and fighting for the Constitution. The ACLJ has experienced tremendous success in litigating cases at all levels of the judiciary, from the federal district court level to the Supreme Court of the United States. We have offices in Washington, D.C., Jerusalem, and all around the world. You can find out more about the ACLJ and join us by visiting aclj.org. Did you know that the Right to Life Action Coalition of Ohio is the largest statewide life group in the state? Are you tired of the compromised approach to pro-life legislation that has been the status quo for far too long? Since 2017, the efforts of the Right to Life Action Coalition of Ohio has changed that approach, closing loopholes and making pro-life laws enforceable. Visit rtlaohio.org or call 440-668-4049 for details. The Right to Life Action Coalition of Ohio. The proven place to go for lasting pro-life action. 
All right, we've got one last segment here of the show, and I don't have a whole lot to talk about. The one topic I, I, I want to just wrap this up with is the whole uh, issue of the WHO and the role that China had in this coronavirus mess and the fact that the World Health Organization is, you know, is running cover for them, okay? It's like the UN. What is our country doing involved with these people who hate our guts, Right. Josh Hawley, the senator from Missouri, is, is going after the World Health Organization director who pushed back against Donald Trump and said, you know, if you defund the uh, WHO, you know, President Trump, there'll be more body bags in, all, in the United States. You know what? There'd be less body bags if we got rid of corrupt organizations like the World Health Organization, which Dr. Fauci sings the praises of, right? Because these people are not on our side. And they're lying to us and they're not doing their jobs. And we provide like, I don't know, 50% of their funding and China presents, provides like 1% and they're running cover for China. As I said to you last week and I said to you in prior shows, ladies and gentlemen, we are at war with the Chinese. Their goal is to be, is world domination. We are showing them incredible weakness in our country, incredible weakness. Weakness mostly of leadership. The American people aren't weak. Our leadership is weak. Our elite class is weak. And so they're looking at us and they're looking for opportunities to destroy us. We need to show strength. And President Trump does that when he says things like, we're going to defund the World Health Organization. And all the lefties who are also communists in the media and in the Democratic Socialist Party, and they all go, oh, my goodness, you can't do that. You can't do that. That's exactly what we want you to do, President Trump. That's exactly what we want you to do. Get us out of any of these organizations and defund our enemies. Quit giving money to fund our enemies. If we could just do that, we'd be so much better off. It's unbelievable. All right, so that wraps it up for this week. Uh, you know, I want you to remember that you know you, you, we need to tell people about the podcast and the radio show. I want you to send me comments at info at wethepeopleconvention.org. That's very important to me. It's really, you know, I, I answer the questions. It keeps me balanced. It keeps me my feet on the ground. I don't know everything. I'm not a genius. I'm not an expert. I've got some communication skills. I've got some common sense. I've got, you know, a decent education. I've been in business my whole life. I try to do the best I can, but it's your show. You make me better. When you send me stories, when you question what I do, when you call into, you know, into, uh, you know my attention, something that I did wrong or I might have miscalculated. I want that. I need that. We're in this together. I want to win. I don't want to you know, fill my ego. I don't need to do this. I'm doing this because we need to perfect, protect and defend our personal freedom and our liberty and our prosperity. And this is the best way to do it. So be sure to tell your friends that you listen to the We The People Convention news and opinion radio show and podcast each week. And we'll be back again next week. My name is Tom Zawistowski.